Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Listeners, welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. It is Sunday, June twenty-first, and this is another exciting episode of the podcast. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited um, for the topics of the dig deeper segment um, this week. I don't know if I've researched that well for a topic in a very long time like the past two days i've just been writing 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 notes um for the episode today um so before we get into everything there's no sponsors this week um just the usual follow the twitter the instagram the facebook um there's always a lot more information being shared on those platforms throughout the week um sign up for the mailing list um you can get on the mailing list uh, by going to the website. The website is thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. Um, when you go to the homepage, there's a place where you can put your email address in. Um, you put your email address in, you get added to the mailing list. Once you're on the mailing list, you get a f- couple things. First is the podcast newsletter, uh, which drops every evening uh, that I stream an episode. So tonight... You'll receive the podcast newsletter in your inbox if you uh, sign up for the mailing list. Uh, That'll contain links to everything that I talk about in this episode. If I talk about a music video that you need to see, there'll be a link to that. The song of the week, there'll be a link to that. In the Dig Deeper segment, if I'm talking about an artist, you know, I'll have links to their music, things like that. Um, Secondly, if you sign up for the mailing list, um, you have the opportunity to receive a curated playlist Every week, so four weeks out of the month, you'll receive a different ten-song playlist. Um, week one is chill R&B. Week two is the '90s and thousands throwback mix. Week three um, is the 
hype mix and then week four is the new new playlist which is my favorite songs from the month so this upcoming wednesday will be um the the new new mix so my favorite songs from the month so far um so definitely uh sign up for the mailing list but if you don't you know want all of that and you just want the podcast newsletter on the website there's a newsletter tab at the top every podcast newsletter i put out will be there as well so if you just want the links you don't want an extra playlist even though they're pretty dope just saying it'll enrich your life um then you can get the newsletter that way so, um, just as a, you know, kind of precursor to let you know what we're going to be talking about, uh, today, um, hey, shout out to Dangerous Davey, uh, just got a new follower. Thank you for following, uh, Thinking Outside the Boombox, it's much appreciated. Um, so today, um, I'll be hitting you with a song of the week. Um, and then in the press play segment, I will be talking to you about some of the new music, music videos that were released since the last episode, which was last week, that I think that you definitely need to have on your radar. And then in the Dig Deeper segment, I'll be talking about two things. Um, the first is the Grammys. Now, as you probably heard, the Grammys um, released uh, the fact that they switched up some categories uh, for this upcoming Grammy Awards as far as eligibility and the names. But um, there's some Grammy information that I've been wanting to do a podcast on uh, for a few months, but I got into a tournament. I got into the Meet TDE series, um, but I wanted to make sure I get that information out. And that's about just the crazy leadership um changes that have been going on behind the scenes at the Grammy. So I'm going to talk about that first in the Dig Deeper segment. And then to close out the podcast, I will be discussing um, No Name and J. Cole. No Name, a Chicago rapper. J. Cole, as you know, the head of Dreamville, a North Carolina rapper. Um, they've been engaging in a war of, war, war of words, you could say. And so I'm going to you know, dig very deep into that and talk about everything that's been going on um, with, you know, this beef that they have going. So uh, without further ado, let's jump right into the song of the week. This is my favorite song. You just know the words, but I still fuck with you. You just ain't never heard. It go like this is my favorite song. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. Um the song of the week for this week i want to take um from the album that i listed as my throwback thursday album from last week um i've been trying my best uh for the past three to four weeks to make the throwback thursday album um the the only criteria that i set for those albums is that they're at least 10 years old but you know, over the past month, I wanted to make sure that I feature albums that are about black empowerment, black pride, things like that. So the album for this past Thursday was uh, the Black Star album by Most Def and Talib Kweli. And so the song of the week for this week um, is one of my favorite songs from that album, so much that um, I made this song, The Ringtone, for my wife for like 
a very long time. Like every time she called, you would hear this song. And so the song of the week for this week is Brown Skin Lady by Most Def and Talib Kweli. Um, it's a very dope song. The entire album is fantastic and it really, you know, centers around blackness and, you know, featuring the black struggle and also uplifting black people. And I like this song because it uplifts black women. It's called Brown Skin Lady. Um, and it's just about, um, uplifting, you know, people with brown skin, but specifically black people and letting them know that forget all those Western beauty standards, like you're beautiful, you know, the way you are. And that's not something, you know, to uphold, like, you know, just focus on your beauty and stuff like that. And so, um, I've always liked that song. It's, it's a dope like melody as far as the hook and, and the verses, um, so that's the song I wanted to feature this week. Um, obviously, as you know, there are certain songs that I can't play um, live on stream because I would get copyright struck down by Twitch and the labels. So um, when the audio version of the podcast gets released everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that'll be on Tuesday. Um, this this information will be in the notes of that. Also, the podcast newsletter that drops tonight um, you will get uh, the link to the song in that as well. So every you know every song that I mention um, is going to be in the podcast newsletter, so you can refer back to that um, if there's something that you don't recognize that I'm talking about. Um, so Brown Skin Lady, Most Def, Talib Kweli is the song of the week. Let's jump into the press play segment. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. It is time for the Press Play segment. The Press Play segment um, is a segment that's situated that's segmented into three parts. Generally, I just want to make sure that you have all the hip-hop and R&B news that you need. So first, things you should check out. This is music videos, songs, performances that have happened since the last episode that were so good that I've got to make sure you know about it. The rumor mill and the announcements... Uh, this is, you know, things that might be floating around um, that may not completely come to fruition. Um, but if they do, I want to make sure you heard it here first, as well as announcements from artists and things like that. And then there's the upcoming and recently released albums. Um, these are the projects that have come out within the past uh, couple weeks or since the last episode and ones that are going to be released within the next month that I want to make sure that you have. So let's jump right into the things you should check out. Um First and foremost, Alicia Keys and John Legend had a Juneteenth versus battle. Um, I was busy on Juneteenth and I hadn't checked the versus um, Instagram in a while. I had no idea this was happening, but apparently they shut it down. Um, so I have yet to watch it. But what I am going to do is once I do watch it and I you know, hear all the songs that they played, as you know, I've been doing a thing where... Um, where I uh, feature a playlist for the majority of the, the verses um, battles that have happened. So when Erica Badu and Jill Scott had, had their um, battle, <laughs> you could call it a battle, it was really just a collective jam session, I featured, um, I made a playlist on Spotify and Apple Music with all of the songs that they performed during their playlist. I did the same thing for Nelly versus Ludacris. 
Um, so once I have watched the Apple Mute or the Alicia Keys and John Legend um, versus battle, I will be creating a playlist like this, which, um, you know, once it's created, I'll probably post something on Instagram or maybe I'll just talk about it um, on the next episode but i want to make sure that you have that playlist because a playlist of this battle of the pianos with alicia keys and john legend on it is going to be a dope playlist to just have in your life so i'll be making sure to do that um next up a number of music videos that have released tory lanes released a music video for his song stupid again it's so ridiculous but it is it is some wonderful entertainment um Tory Lanez has been having quite a year. Once the pandemic hit, he started this thing on Instagram Live called Quarantine Radio, where he's just acting a fool and having lots of just random people drop in and like twerk and do just all of this stuff. But it kind of he was having a fine career, but it definitely put a lot more notice and visibility on him. And so, you know, he did the right thing. He dropped an album uh, soon after, like everybody was coming to his Instagram page for quarantine radio. He dropped an album. I think it was the new Toronto three. This song was on it. Um, the music video is crazy. It's hilarious. It really embodies Tory Lane's personality. Check that out. All of this will be in the podcast newsletter. Of course, um, Anderson Pac dropped off a new song. Uh, it's fantastic. It's called lockdown. He also dropped a music video for it. Um, He's talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests that have been happening, police brutality, all of that. Um, Features cameos from Sid from the Internet, Sir from TDE. J-Rock from TDE also does an acapella verse in the middle. It's just a fantastic visual. And it even ends with Anderson Pac like holding his son. Like it's just it's it's a fantastic video. So you definitely want to check that out. Leon Bridges, I mentioned last week that he dropped a new song with Terrace Martin. Um, Well, he dropped off a music video for it. This has become one of my favorite songs of the year. It's really good. The saxophone that Terrace Martin plays in the background is very soothing. And the visuals are even cooler because it sees Leon Bridges kind of focusing on his community and the family that he has around them. And they're all in the video. And it's, it's a dope thing to witness. So definitely watch the Sweeter video by Leon Bridges. Um, Sway Lee is dropping off an album this year. Probably, who knows how the pandemic is affecting, you know, these album releases and things like that. Um, but he dropped off a new single called Reality Check, which is probably going to be, um, one of the singles for the album. Um, it's dope. Sway Lee is a hit maker. Um, he's incredible with hooks and he has just proven himself to be, you know, I think the more talented one in Ray Shrimmerd. Um, so I'm excited for his next solo project. Um, so check out his new song, reality check Beyonce dropped off a new song called black parade, um, celebrating blackness, celebrating, you know, the history of black people. It's a dope song. It was a surprise song. Of course, nobody knows when Beyonce is going to drop. Um, I think it was just something that she wanted to do. I don't think it's indicative of a project coming or anything like that. I don't expect another Beyonce project until, probably 2022 to be quite honest but um i think the fact that you know she dropped this off she wanted to she wanted to lend her voice to the things that have been going on and celebrate us and that's one thing that beyonce has has always done um so definitely check out her new song black parade um there's an r&b group called they uh they're from la 
really soulful, um, kind of mysterious, but they've got a really nice 90s kind of soul groove. They dropped off a new song called Count Me In. Um, check that out. Rick Wilson, he's a Chicago artist. He just dropped off uh, an album um, with Terrace Martin, actually. Uh, I forget the name of it. It's called They Call Me Disco or something like that, but it's a dope album. Um, and he just dropped off a new song called Fight Like Ida B and Marsha P. Um, obviously, it's another black empowerment song talking about everything that's been going on. Definitely check that out. Um, Sir, uh, the TDE artist, he did a kind of a Vivo control at home. It's kind of like iHeart music. They've been doing their like live concert at home thing. Vivo's doing the same thing. Um, so Sir performed his songs, John Redcorn and The Recipe, two amazing songs from his last album. Um, so definitely check out that performance. Um, Sir is an amazing up and coming R&B artist. I feel like I've been saying that every week, but Actually, for the past three weeks, I probably have been saying that um, because uh, he was in the Meet TD series I've been doing. Um, and then finally, in the things you should check out, Rumor, uh, spelled RMR, dropped off a remix to his song Rascal, which features Young Thug. So I can't understand why I enjoy Rumor's music. Um, he got on the scene because he covered a Rascal Flat song. Um, it's called Rascal. Um, it's so catchy. Rumor actually has a pretty good voice, um, but he walks around just like with gold teeth and like a, uh, I forget what they're called, like a balaclava or something like that, but like a big mask that like over his face with the eyes and the mouth cut out. And his whole thing is, is like, I don't want people's perception of me to influence my music. So that's why I'm not showing my face, things like that. And I'm just putting out my music and his music is very good. Like, it's he has a good voice he has an ear for melody um and so that original song rascal he put out a remix that has young thug on the young thug adds a verse about like black lives matter and the things that have been going on so uh listen to the remix and also just give rumors music a listen um i think his album is called drug dealing is a lost art he dropped that uh, a couple weeks ago it's a good album i was surprised it's a good album um Jesus and Meryl also had him on uh, their show before they went on a break, like maybe a month ago. So in the podcast newsletter, I'm going to put that interview in there as well, just so you can get an idea of Rumor's personality. Um, so Rumor Meal and announcements, um, Beyonce and Jay-Z are being sued for their song Black Effect. So this was on the album they dropped. Uh, was that last year? I can't remember if it was 2019 or 2018, but they dropped off that Everything is Love album. Um, and one of their songs, Black Effect, features in the beginning uh, words from a Jamaican artist. Uh, her name is Dr. Lenora Antoinette Steins. So she is suing Beyonce and Jay-Z because she thought that her vocals, which she agreed to give only because she thought they would be featured in the video uh, for the song, um, she, they, she was told that they wouldn't be included in the, the actual song. But they were. She wasn't included as a writer. She was very upset about it. And so now she's suing Beyonce and Jay-Z. And I don't know how that's going to go. Seems like she probably has, you know, some grounds for this lawsuit. So they might end up settling with her and paying her some money. But just wanted to let you know about that. Um, I mentioned Sway Lee and now he's got an album coming. His album's called Human Nature. 
Mike Will Made It is the producer that is kind of executive producing the entire project. And he said that Soy Lee sent him 733 songs for him to choose from when, you know, crafting the album. So I I don't know if we might not get this song this year if Mike Will Made It has to listen to 733 songs before he can, you know, kind of piece the album together. So stay tuned on that. Um, and then finally, in the room, real announcements. Uh, well, not finally. There is the Polaris Music Prize. It's an annual award given to the best full-length Canadian album. Um, this year, out of the, I think, 40 albums that made the shortlist, um, Daniel Caesar's Case Study 1 is on there. Division's R&B album Amusing Her Feelings. The Weeknd's album After Hours. And Jesse Reyes's Before Love Came to Kill Us album. They were all nominated. So essentially, on July fifteenth, the forty song, the forty album list gets cut down to ten, and the winner gets fifty thousand Canadian dollars, and the other nine get three thousand Canadian dollars. So it's just cool that uh, these R and B albums uh, are all being uh, considered for this, you know, pretty uh, distinguished prize uh, in Canada. Um, and then finally, in the rumor mill announcement, Riot Fest, which is a festival that takes place in Chicago every year, I think in Union Park, I'm not sure. Um, it was canceled, obviously, for this year because of coronavirus. But um, they've basically just moved it to 2021 and they released the preliminary lineup. Um, Lupe is going to be performing his entire The Cool album from 2007 in its entirety. Um, that's going to be dope. I went to see Lupe in concert, uh, this past year and he performed, uh, Food and Liquor, his first album in its entirety is fantastic. So, um, (laughs) skeptical whether in 2021, you know, it'll be a smart idea to be having festivals like this. Um, we'll have to play that by ear, but this will be a good festival to go to. Run the Jewels will also be, um, performing. Riot Fest, I think is usually just a, a rock and alternative uh, band festival, but it's cool that Run the Jewels and Lupe will both be performing. So excited about that. Um, upcoming and recently released albums. Um, in June, in this month, Jessie Ware says she's going to be dropping a new album called What's Your Pleasure. Um, Jessie Ware is an amazing artist. I think we might have discovered her at Lollapalooza back in like 2013. Um, and she's put out a couple albums since then. Uh, she's very good. So look out for that album. Uh, a lot of albums dropped this past Friday. City Girls dropped a surprise album, City on Lock, which a lot of the, the black women on Twitter and everywhere have been very excited about. John Legend dropped off a new album, Bigger Love. I haven't checked that out yet, but it's it's coming this week. I will be listening to that. Justine Sky dropped off her Bear With Me album. T Grizzly dropped off a new mixtape called The Smartest. Tiana Taylor um, dropped off her album called The Album. It's fantastic. Last week, I said that Chloe and Halle's Ungodly um, Hour project um, was probably the best R&B album I'd heard all year. I've only given Tiana's one listen, but it's going to be up there. She has a lot of great songs on that album. It's a really good album. She she definitely made a comeback from, you know, she put out that album, Keep the Same Energy, that was produced by Kanye, that only had eight songs, and it just, it wasn't Tiana. It was a Kanye vision-focused album, and so she's she's finally able to put out the album that she wanted to put out, and 
the album. So I'm excited about that to keep listening to it. You should definitely check it out. Wale also dropped off a new EP called The Imperfect Storm. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but I imagine that he's addressing a lot of what's been going on um, with protests and things like that. You can always count on Wale to use his platform and his voice um, for good. So definitely listen to all of that. I'm not sure what else is coming out in June. Um, as soon as I find out, I will be updating. Uh, I will be talking about it on the podcast and updating the website. On the website, if you go to extra content, there is the um, uh, anticipated albums list, um, which every January I do a podcast an episode where I talk about the albums that are most anticipated um, for the year. And then I update that list throughout the year so you know which albums are coming out. So um, I'll make sure to continue to to update that list once I find out what's coming out for the rest of the year. So without any further ado, uh, let's jump right into the Dig Deeper segment. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. It is now time for the Dig Deeper segment. Um, so the Dig Deeper segment um, is where I, I get into the meat of the podcast. I want to discuss, you know, the trending topics, the ones that require a little bit more discussion. Um, in this segment, I usually do my album reviews. I do my artist spotlights. Um, if there have been any rap beefs, I feature them here, things like that. So this is where I get into the the topics that require a little bit more analysis, a little bit more discussion than just, you know, like reading off the facts and things like that. So I'm going to start with the Grammys. I've been wanting to to talk about this for a while because I feel like it it kind of got swept under the, the rug um, for a little bit. Um, and I just wanted to bring this information to light because the Grammys and the Recording Academy is a pretty um, prestigious organization. Um, they're important to the music industry. And so I think it's important that we know everything about them. So this discussion is primarily focused on the Grammys leadership. Um, they've recently made some changes to their categories, and I'll definitely be addressing that. But the leadership has gone through a lot of changes over the past couple years. Um, so there's Neil Port now. He was a white man who was the Grammy president from 2002 uh, to about the middle of 2019. And he became president and CEO of the Grammys of the Academy in 2007. So... There's also Music Cares, which is a nonprofit organization that was incorporated by the Academy in 1993. Their primary purpose was to focus the resources and the attention of the music industry on human service issues that directly impact the health and welfare of the music community. Um, so Neil also became the president and CEO of Music Cares during his term as well. So his last years as president were certainly mired in controversy. Three out of four of these controversial incidents involved the 60th annual Grammys, which took place in 2018. So the first controversy, um, the 60th annual Grammys was moved from LA at Staples Center, its normal um, location, to Madison Square Garden in New York um, in 2018 in order to avoid it happening at the same time as the 2018 Winter Olympics. Um, this move 
cost the Academy $8 million more than it usually would have cost them if they had just had it in L.A. Um, the funds to cover that cost overrun were directed away slash siphoned from the Music Cares um, budget to pay for this large cost difference. That's number one. Number two, uh, the former executive vice president of Music Cares, Dana Tamarkin, claims that Neil Portnow is the one that did the siphoning. She was fired in 2018, and she says that she was wrongfully terminated for pushing back against the Academy's Boys Club. It's number two. Number three, the 60th Grammys was a show that saw many wearing white and different pins representing the Me Too and the Time's Up movements. Um, This really picked up traction that year because between 2013 and 2018, only 9.3% of the nominees were women. Um, This was also the award show that saw very few women nominated in the important categories and even even fewer women winners. Um, When asked about this, Neil Portnow, the president at the time, said, and I quote, It has to begin with women who have the creativity in their hearts and souls who want to be musicians, who want to be engineers, producers, and want to be part of the industry on the executive level. They need to step up because I think they would be welcome. I don't have personal experience of those kinds of brick walls that you face, but I think it's upon us as an industry to make the welcome mat very obvious, breeding opportunities for all people who want to be creative and paying it forward and creating that next generation of artists, end quote. So right off the bat, telling women that they need to step up rather than address the issues within the system um, that ignored and excluded women in the first place was not the right move. Um, There's a right and a wrong way to go about things. Neil Portnow chose the wrong way. Um, Fourth controversy, finally, and most importantly, um, he was accused of sexual assault and rape by an unnamed recording artist um, and his successor um, has said that this is what finally caused his contract to not be renewed. So that's a, a, a large history of things. Uh, it certainly makes sense why Neil Portnow um, contract would have been terminated. Um, but you have to imagine that a lot of the things that Neil did were swept under the rug um, at the Academy for a very long time. So Neil, yes, uh, Dangerous Davy, definitely trash. Um, Neil was replaced in August of 2019 by Deborah Dugan. Uh, She's a white woman. She had been the CEO of Parentheses Red, which is an HIV AIDS awareness organization. She also worked for EMI, Capitol Records and SBK Records. So she had done a lot within the music industry. Um, She was the first woman to be made president CEO of the Recording Academy. It seemed like a very clear statement against the longstanding gender bias within the organization at the time to replace Neil with Deborah. And I remember being interested um, and even saying on the podcast that I was interested in seeing where the Grammys would go from there because that's a, a big step. Um, so Dugan also promised wide sweeping changes against inequality within the organization. Um, the Academy created a, a task force for diversity and inclusion, their very first one in 2018 or 2019. Um, And the task force filed a 44-page report that detailed the shortcomings of the organization, Um, one of those being that um, of the people that are on the committees for nominating artists and things like that, 20% of them are women. That's a big issue. 
Um, and they had a list of 18 demands that they wanted Deborah and the Academy to meet. And she promised to meet all but one of them. So it definitely seemed like, all right, immediately there's going to be some sort of change within the organization. Uh, five months later, in January of 2020, 10 days before the 62nd Grammys, uh, Deborah Dugan was put on an administrative leave. And in March of 2020, she was officially fired. Um, so here's the story there. She was put on administrative leave for allegations of misconduct. Neil Portnow's old assistant, um, Claudine Little, claims that Deborah was hostile towards her and had a bullying style of management. Um, Dugan has said that the complaint is a smokescreen and it's actually because of a number of things that she brought up to the head of HR. She complained about uh, Joel Katz, a lawyer that represents the Grammys, um, said that um, he inappropriately harassed her at a dinner. She brought to light the allegations of rape against Neil Portnow, which at the time was not widely known. Um and she claimed that there was a conflict of interest and that board members approved payments to themselves all the time and things like that. And so first off, when I when I heard about this, I was like, man, you all had your first woman president at the academy. And then five months later, she's ousted. What it looks like to me right off the bat is that, OK, the people within the academy didn't like that Neil Portnow was ousted. Um, probably wasn't their decision. He had to go after everything that came to light. Um, they didn't like um, the agenda that Deborah Dugan was pushing, which is just to address the misconduct and inequality that has been within the academy for so long. And they did probably did everything they could to get her out. Um, the fact that the allegations stem from Portnow's old assistant, who, um, you know, I don't know, but was probably, you know, loyal to Portnow and things like that. It's just, you know, it doesn't look good. Um, so Harvey Mason Jr., um, the current interim president CEO, ended up backing up the claims that Dugan created a toxic, abusive work environment. Um, she then claimed in a note that she was dismissed because she sought to uncover the misconduct conducted by the all boys club at the Academy. She said she had to sign her name on misleading tax documents. The high ranking women in the Academy were harassed repeatedly and they tried to make her hire Neil Portnow back on as a consultant for $750,000 after he was dismissed. So that, that seems to back up the things that I was saying that, um, they didn't like her agenda. They wanted to keep doing things the way they had been doing, which is wrong. And they found a way to get rid of her. Um, the Academy stood behind um, the allegations. They questioned the timing of Dugan's statement. They said that she offered to step down only after requesting $22 million. Um, Dugan continued, you know, putting stuff out about the things that she brought to light that ended up getting her fired. She said that the Grammy nomination review committees are shady, unsupervised, that they push the artists that the people on the board have relationships with. For example, she said in 2019 for the song of the year, um, there was an artist who ranked 18 out of 20 initially. Um, but that person ended up with a nomination because they were represented by a member of the board 
and they were allowed to sit on the nomination committee. So <laughs> right off the bat, that that is ridiculous. Um, the Academy, of course, refuted these claims. Um, and so then in March of this year, they officially fired her, stating that they carried out two independent investigations with lots of witnesses, um, and they backed up the claims. They said the investigations backed up the claims that Dugan's work environment was toxic and that she was bullying. And it's just ridiculous. Dugan says she wasn't even interviewed in these investigations, nor did they address her claims um, of any of the things that she brought to light. But Dugan has promised to keep her foot on their necks, so to speak, um, with regards to the all boys club that they're running at the academy. Um, this was in March of this year. And, you know, this she was fired like pretty much right before the um, pandemic took place. So I think that that allowed a lot of this to easily get swept under the rug. But I remember um, when I first heard about all of this back in maybe February, I was like, OK. I need to I definitely need to talk about this um, because at the end of the day, it feels like the Academy took a, a huge step back after hiring Dugan in the first place. I thought that they actually wanted to change. Of course, <laughs> that's not the truth. Um, they're a longstanding organization who is probably comfortable in their gender bias and inequality. Um, regardless of where the truth lies, even if it lies somewhere in the middle, it's hard to trust that things are on the up and up at the Academy. Um, Harvey Mason Jr., who is a black man, he was the board chair. He was a very successful producer who has won Grammys for his own works. Um, he was made the interim CEO slash president. He's still there. Um, so we'll see if a black man in charge of this boys club will have any success. Although, you know, I'm skeptical of what side he's on because when the whole Dugan scandal was happening, he took the side of the Academy and just like, like went against everything that Deborah Dugan says. So I'm unsure um, if he's an unbiased president at this point. Um, so that is what I wanted to bring to light. Um, but this does segue uh, nicely into some of the changes the Grammys have made under his leadership. So, the first couple of changes that they've made seem to definitely stem from the conflict of interest allegations that Deborah Dugan laid against the Academy in the first place. So they limited the terms of the nomination review committee chairs and members. The members can serve for three years on, then they have to take one year off. The chairs can serve for three years on, then they have to take two years off. They also introduced a conflict of interest disclosure form. Um, essentially, when invited to be on a nomination review committee, the prospect must consider any recording that may be eligible for awards that year, and they have to disclose, one, whether they would be in line to receive a nomination or win for any recording considered in a particular category, two, whether they have any direct or indirect financial ties to recordings or creators in consideration, three, whether they have any familial ties to any artists in the top voter selections and for any conflict of interest, actual or perceived. Um, if a recording listed on the form does present a conflict of interest, the person will be informed that they can't participate that year. If a conflict is discovered during a meeting, even after these efforts, they will be dismissed and recused from the meeting. Um, finally, if it is found that they voluntarily fail to disclose conflict of interest information, they will be barred from future participation. So I think this is all well and good, but one, 
you know, I don't know if they just put this out because the allegations that Dugan posed um, looked bad for them. So they wanted to put something in place um, just in case people were looking more into it. Or two, if Harvey Mason actually looked into the allegations that Deborah Dugan posed and wanted to do something about it. Or if this is just a smokescreen. Um, it hinges on the Academy not being corrupt and whether honesty will take place when filling out the forms and if honesty will take place when looking at the forms to discover conflict of interest. Somebody could lie, and if they are found out to be lying, somebody could just sweep it under the rug. It really depends on the motives, and I'm not sure at this point. We'll have to see, Um, but it's quite possible that the Academy will just keep sweeping things under the rug and we'll just never know about it, especially if the people in charge... um, are complicit. Um, so they also changed the number of category criteria and names. Best engineered album categories will now consider high resolution audio. <sighs> Why was that not a thing in the first place? Whatever. For best new artists, there's no longer a maximum limit of releases when determining whether an artist achieved a breakthrough during the eligibility year. An artist can't be considered more than three times for this uh, category, and they must have a minimum five releases. That's perfectly fine. There were changes to the musical theater field eligibility and criteria. Uh, best rap song performance was changed to best melodic performance, which makes so much sense. Um, so then there's the best urban contemporary album category. This was an R&B category. Already had a questionable name. It basically represented R&B albums that were less traditional and more contemporary with possible like hip hop, dance, electronic elements that were mostly derivative of R&B. Um, why they felt that urban was the word to use there, who knows. But um, they've changed it now to the best progressive R&B album. Honestly, they could have just dropped the urban and made it the best contemporary R&B album. Um, I could understand them wanting to lose the urban part of the category. Um, but then... There's the Latin categories where they changed the best Latin pop category to best Latin pop or urban album. Um, And then the best Latin rock, urban or alternative category, they just chopped off the urban. So it's clear they're looking at and taking note of how they name their categories and the categories required to receive a Grammy. But I'm just a little curious of the motives because, you know, you took urban off of the R&B one, but you left it in on the Latin one, so it couldn't possibly be the word urban that you were trying to get rid of. I don't know. It's odd. I think, you know, the the name of the R&B category did need to change, and I'm glad that it did, but there's still just some fishy stuff going on at the Grammys, you know? In the culture, Grammys have started to matter less and less to the fans, and even the artists have started sitting out the events But I do feel like the Grammys are still a huge milestone for many artists. And I think it's very important that they take the hip hop and R&B nominations, especially seriously, and the representation by genre and just the general gender equity. It needs to be a focus point. Um, Time will tell um, if Harvey Mason Jr. as the interim president CEO will take some steps um, to do anything about these things or whether they remain stagnant. But best believe I will be letting you know 
um, when they when they make any changes. I enjoy watching the Grammys. Um, I like trying to predict the the categories. I like seeing the artists that I enjoy listening to win things, especially big things that mean that they're getting the recognition that they deserve. Um, so I'm going to keep, you know, you know, looking into, you know, these behind the scenes things at the Grammys um, because I think it's, it's definitely important to the music industry. So that is that. That is my expose of the of the Grammys behind the scenes leadership. Um, now let's talk about No Name and J. Cole. So. For some context. In light of everything that's been going on with the protests and the discussions that are being had around police brutality and systemic racism and so much more, a lot of celebrities and people with the platform are using said platform to speak their minds. Um, no Name, who is a Chicago rapper who has been discussed extensively on this podcast, is certainly one of those people, but she's been doing it since before all of these things happened, before George Floyd, before the protests, before Oluwatoyin, all of that. She's She's been about this um, her entire career. If you listen to her music, her projects, Telephone and Room 25, she's always used her platform to be a voice for the black community through her experiences. Listen to her songs, Casket Pretty, listen to Yesterday, listen to Black Exploitation, um, her entire catalog. She's recently grown tired of the music industry and performing for predominantly white crowds. So she's taken a break from music, um, but she hasn't taken a break from uplifting and educating her community. She started a book club, literally called No Names Book Club. That highlights two books a month. Um, they had started at two. They dialed back to one. And then in light of everything that's been going on, they went right back up to two a month um, by authors of color. They have online and they had in-person meetups to discuss the books. Uh, she even began to raise money to be able to send the monthly picks to local prisons. Um, the website highlights libraries, even the bookstores where the meetups were held in chapters across the country. Like, No Name is about this shit. Um, and she has done nothing but try to uplift us and make us better people. So, enter J. Cole. Um, I'm a known J. Cole stan. I love his music. I've loved how he's used his music to address issues within the black community and doing that without sacrificing his message for what the industry wants, especially on his last three albums. He's also one of the main rappers that... You always see protesting with the people during times of crises like Ferguson in 2014. Um, he's long been an advocate for us through his music and his actions, um, specifically thinking of the fact that he turned his childhood home into a temporary rent free home for single mothers. But J. Cole fucked up. He did. It's it's clear to me. It's clear to Anybody with sense is clear to anybody who isn't, you know, who doesn't have like KOD just on repeat in their head constantly that it's clouding their judgment. Um, he fucked up on May 29th. No name tweeted this quote, poor black folks all over the country are putting their bodies on the line in protest for our collective safety and y'all favorite top selling rappers not even willing to put a tweet up. Niggas' whole discographies be about black plight, and they nowhere to be found. End quote. She has since deleted that tweet, but not before J. Cole clearly saw it. Um, now, No Name has also been retweeting many a tweet 
about not looking to black celebrities and rappers for leadership right now because they'll just disappoint us. Um, their livelihood is tied up in the capitalism that she has been calling uh, to be abolished. Um, and maybe they should just open their wallets for the movement instead. Both can be true. She can be angry at people who have been about this activist voice for the community life in the past and also understand that many celebrities shouldn't say a thing. Um, both Dave Chappelle's sentiment from his most recent uh, stand up about not wanting to hear from celebrities when black people are being shot in the streets can be true, as well as no names frustration. Now, no name didn't name a single name um, that that's kind of a pun in a way. Um, she presented the faint profile of a subset of people that she was frustrated with. She just said, um, your favorite top selling rappers, not even willing to put a tweet up their whole discographies be about black plight and they're nowhere to be found. Now, could that apply to J Cole? Yes. Um, while yes, J Cole had been protesting, he hadn't been, openly um, talking about the issues um, in the past weeks um, like he has done in the past through his music and um, like when Ferguson things were happening. It, it could very well apply to J. Cole. Um, this could very well apply to Kendrick. We haven't heard anything from Kendrick. Kendrick has been out protesting, but as far as using his, his voice, his music, you know, tweeting, social media, all of that, he's been absent. But Ken, you didn't see Kendrick make a song about No Name's tweet. Like I said, she presented a faint profile of a subset of people that she was frustrated with. And J. Cole jumped right into the frame. Um, before I discuss the song that he released called Snow on the Bluff, I want to read the things he tweeted the day after he released the song. He said, and I quote, Morning, I stand behind every word of the song that dropped last night. Right or wrong, I can't say, but I can say it was honest. Some assume to know who the song is about. That's fine with me. It's not my job to tell anybody what to think or feel about the work. I accept all conversation and criticisms, but let me use this moment to say this. Follow no name. I love and honor her as a leader in these times. She has done and is doing the reading and the listening and the learning on the path that she truly believes is the correct one for our people. Meanwhile, a nigga like me just be rapping. I haven't done a lot of reading and I don't feel well equipped as a leader in these times, but I do a lot of thinking and I appreciate her and others like her because they challenge my beliefs. And I feel that in these times, that's important. We may not agree with each other, but we got to be gentle with each other. End quote. Now, this was the first I heard about the topic. Somehow when he released the song on the 16th, I, I missed it. I didn't know he had released it. I probably wasn't on Twitter to see it in the trending topics. The first I heard about this was his tweets. And so I was like, oh, did he make a song about no name? Because like, if you just read all of those tweets, it seems clear that, oh, he made a song. Oh, he was seemed to be addressing no name. And now he wanted to just say how much he respected no name and what she's doing. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so the day before on the 16th, he released Snow on the Bluff. And like I said, those tweets pretty much confirm that he's referring to No Name in the song. And that becomes really evident once you hear the song. So I'm not going to play it, but I do want to go through the lyrics. So it starts, it's, it's one long verse um, that he's rapping. And the verse starts, 
Niggas be thinking I'm deep, intelligent, fooled by my college degree. My IQ is average. There's a young lady out there. She way smarter than me. I scrolled through her timeline in these wild times and I started to read. She mad at these crackers. She mad at these capitalists, mad at these murder police. She mad at my niggas. She mad at our ignorance. She wear her heart on her sleeve. She mad at the celebrities. Low key, I be thinking she talking about me. So right away, Cole kind of downplays his abilities to lead because he doesn't have all the knowledge he needs to take that position. Then he begins to subliminally mention No Name as someone who is much smarter than he is and has read and has the knowledge and mentions how she's frustrated with everyone, white people, capitalism, police, black men, celebrities. So here's the thing. If you look at No Name's Twitter and the things she's spoken out against, he's obviously talking about her. Like those are the exact things that she's been frustrated with and angry about she has tons of tweets about abolishing capitalism tons of tweets about how black men haven't been supporting black women tons of tweets uh talking about defunding the police and things like that his tweets afterwards support that he was talking about no name so i'm i'm saying this because while talking about this i'm also addressing many of the claims of the people defending j cole um so he's talking about no name that's that's a fact um, by Cole addressing No Name's frustrations, he painted her with an angry black woman trope that is probably in the first chapter of the Misogyny 101 textbook. Of course, she's mad at black men. Black men haven't haven't been supporting black women, certainly not in the way that they support us. Black men have been killing black women. Um, this has especially been talked about in the past couple of weeks because of the 19 year old activist. Uh, Oluwatoyin Salau, who was raped and murdered by a black man a couple weeks ago, and they just found her body a week ago. So yes, no name is angry. She's allowed that. She's allowed to voice her frustrations. But he took her celebrity tweet, which was not addressed to him, um, and interpreted it as her talking about him and decided to use his voice not to address the issues, Not to address the whole point of her tweet, but to address his ignorance and diss her. Some say it's not a diss. Some say he was just mentioning her frustrations, not criticizing them. But it's the things that he says next that don't support those claims. Back to the song. Now, I ain't no dummy to think I'm above criticism. So when I see something that's valid, I listen. But shit, it's something about the queen tone that's bothering me. She strike me as somebody blessed enough to grow up in conscious environment with parents that know about the struggle for liberation. And in turn, they provide her with a perspective and awareness of the system and unfairness that afflicts them and the clearest understanding of what we got to do to get free. And the frustration that fills her words seem to come from the fact that most people don't see. So you could claim that it's not a diss and that he was just mentioning the things that she was frustrated with, not criticizing them. But then J. Cole decides to tone police no name. He mentions her frustrations, yes, and then he solidifies that angry black woman trope that he was throwing on her by inferring that the way that she's voicing her frustrations and trying to educate her community is wrong. He said he basically said he doesn't like the way that no name was speaking to him. And regardless of what he meant, those words serve to devalue and undermine her efforts of educating her community. 
Um, he introduces his perception of her background and opportunity to learn and reinforces that she's frustrated with people who aren't as knowledgeable as her. So you, you can't really make the argument that he wasn't criticizing her frustration because he was, because he talked about the tone with which she was voicing her frustrations and how he didn't like that. So that's pretty misogynistic. It's just that's blatant misogyny. So let's get back to the song. Um, just cause you woke and I'm not, that shit ain't no reason to talk like you better than me. How you gonna lead when you attacking the very same niggas that really do need the shit that you're saying? Instead of conveying you holier, come help us get up to speed. Come help get us up to speed. Shit, it's a reason it took like 200 years for our ancestors just to get freed. These shackles be locking the mental way more than the physical. I look at freedom like trees. Can't grow a forest like overnight. Hit the ghetto and slowly start planting your seeds. Fuck is the point of you preaching your message to those that already believe what you believe. I'm on some fucker retweet. Most people is sheep. You got all the answers, but how you going to reach? If I could make one more suggestion respectfully, I would say it's more effective to treat people like children Understanding the time and love and patience that's needed to grow. This change is inevitable, but ain't none of us seen this before. Therefore, we just got to learn everything as we go. So there's a lot in that. Like besides the the tone policing in the last set of bars, this is the the crux of where things go very wrong. So twice in these lines, he refers that no name speaks like or thinks that she's better than him and the others that she's speaking to. He questions her leadership because she voices frustrations with the same people that need help, but doesn't take any accountability for why she's voicing those frustrations in the first place. His lyrics get very aggressive, um, especially when he says, um, uh, what does he say? How you going to lead when you attacking the very same niggas that really do need the shit that you saying? He said, fuck is the point of you preaching your message to those that already believe what you believe um, instead of conveying you holier, come help get us up to speed. Like he's clearly criticizing her for her approach to educating her community and the people around him. His suggestion is that because oppression and systemic racism lock you mentally, it will take some time for everyone to get up to speed and that respectfully she should treat them like children and give them time and be more gentle in her approach so in a nutshell he said watch your tone tone it down treat us like babies for us to get it (laughs) how anyone cannot see the misogynistic undertones and overtones of this song is really beyond me uh one it's not no name's job to educate j cole or anyone really, um, she hasn't even made it her job. What she has done is made it possible for people to have the tools to educate themselves, and she's voiced her opinions. Um, like, like No Name has read and gained knowledge, J. Cole can do the exact same thing. He's a 35-year-old man, and the fact that he said that she needs to treat treat people like children and explain things to him is kind of ridiculous like nobody's treating you like a child she has a damn book club for god's sake that gives people the tools to do their own reading do your own reading 
and don't police a black woman's tone because your ego is hurt because you feel like you're not doing enough. Because really, that's the crux of all of this. Um, she put out that tweet about people not doing enough. He responded because he feels he's not doing enough and then decided to tear her down. And that's the problem. Back into the last part of this song. I struggle with thoughts on the daily. Feel like a slave that somehow done saved enough coins to buy his way up out of slavery. Thinking just maybe in my pursuit to make life so much better for me and my babies, I done betrayed the very same people that look at me like I'm some kind of hero because of the zeros that's next to the commas. But look here, I promise I'm not who you think. Ran into this nigga outside of the store yesterday. He said something that had me like, wait. He was like, Cole, appreciate what you've been doing, my nigga, that's real. But damn why I feel faker than snow on the bluff. Well, maybe because deep down I know I ain't doing enough. So there's the source right there. And the last bars of the verse after he's torn down no name in her approach to educating and policed her tone and presented her as an angry black woman. There's the source of it. He could have made this song without mentioning no name and just tackled that point that he feels he's not doing enough. He feels that in becoming a celebrity and making his life better, he's leaving his people behind. He feels like he has more to learn. That's a perfectly fine sentiment to express and unpack in a song. But hiding those feelings behind an attack on a black woman and how she's helping her community was the wrong way to handle it. No name didn't say J. Cole's name. She didn't address that tweet to J. Cole. J. Cole put himself in that narrative and felt some way about it because he truly felt that he wasn't doing enough. And then he sought to undermine her efforts. Like, come on, bro. Like, if he truly felt this way, he could have put out this Snow on the Bluff song, left her out of it and just talked about how he needs to read more. He needs to to think about who he is as a leader. He needs to think about his platform and make sure that he's doing the right things um, as someone who has put himself up as a voice to the community with his past songs. He could have put out an entire song that J. Cole fans, non-J. Cole fans would have appreciated because it's the truth. But instead, he chose to tear down a black woman. So I don't... I wouldn't necessarily say that this is like a cancel J. Cole moment, but J. Cole is wrong. He could have reached out to No Name. I don't know. Me and my wife were talking about this. I don't know if No Name and J. Cole have interacted in the past. Um, I mean, no, yeah, I don't know. I feel like they were on a song together on Surf. I think Warm Enough from Surf had No Name and J. Cole on it. But who knows if they were ever in the same room for that song. So I say that to say, I don't know if they know each other, but the same way that he he can tweet, he could have reached out to her, had an intelligent discussion about this, but instead he used his platform to devalue a black woman, and that's wrong. I know that Cole has been protesting recently. I know that he's done so much to help his people and supported our struggles in his music, but this time he's wrong. Both of those things can be true. A lot of the arguments I've heard is like, oh, how is J. Cole a misogynist? Because he, you know, made his childhood home into a into a a, a temporary rent free home. And he made all these songs about supporting black women. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But then he also made a song about no name where he toned police her and uh, devalued her important efforts in this critical time. So 
that's misogynist. <laughs> you you can do something misogynist and so largely misogynist one time and that be misogynist. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. Um, J. Cole has been misogynistic, misogynistic in his music in the past. He's called women hoes and bitches. As much as we like no role models, his song from uh, 2014 Forest Hills Drive, let's be real about the misogynistic connotations of that song. We and I have ignored those things because the large majority of his work has been so positive and uplifting and exemplary, but we can't use his past to explain away the things that he's doing in this current moment. No name deserves better than that. And J. Cole owes her an apology. It's simple. He can do better than that. We, we know it. That's what makes it. That's what makes it worse is because we know that J. Cole is better than this. If future had done this, if Future had made a song called, I don't know, Snow on the Bluff, and he was talking about no name like this, like it it would have been a big deal, but nobody would have been surprised. What is unfortunate about this is that we know that J. Cole can do better and he's done better in the past. And this is something that he just he really should have thought about this before he decided to let his ego get in the way of, you know, being smart. Um but no name can speak for herself. Um, she hasn't released a song in over a year, but she got a Mad Lib beat. And two days after J. Cole released his song, she released a song called Song 33. And I'm actually going to play this song. So give me a second. Ambitions, dreams, but dreams don't come cheap. I saw a demon on my shoulders looking like patriarchy, like scrubbing blood off the ceiling and bleaching another carpet. How my house go on it? My toy embodied on embody all the life she wanted. The baby just 19. I know I dream all black. I say not everything. I'm mortalizing tweets, all caps. They say they found her dead. One girl missing, another one go missing. One girl missing another, but niggas in the back quiet as a church mouse. Basement studio when duty calls to get the verse out. I guess the ego hurt now. It's time to go to work. Wow, look at him go. He really doubts to write about me when the world is in smokes. When it's people in trees. When George was begging for his mother saying he couldn't breathe. You thought to write about me? One girl missing, another one go missing. One girl missing, another one. Yo, but little did I know all my reading would be about There is trans women being murdered And this is all he can offer And this is all y'all receive Distract you from the convo with organizers They talking abolishing the police And this is a new world order We democratizing Amazon We burn down borders This is a new vanguard This is a new vanguard I'm the new vanguard So That was No Name Song called song 33 um right off the bat she keeps the song focused on the fact that black men and black women and trans women are being murdered and black women are constantly going missing with nothing being done about it and then she criticizes cole for choosing to attack her rather than address the issues so even though she felt the need to address j cole's um complaints and criticisms she still kept this less than 60 second song focused on the issues giving him you know less than like six bars she addresses his hurt ego that caused him to write the song 
And the line that really sums it all up is when she says, it's time to go to work. Wow, look at him go. He really about to write about me when the world is in smokes, when it's people in trees, when George was begging for his mother, saying he couldn't breathe. You thought to write about me. That that's all she had to say in that line right there. In less than 60 seconds, she sums up the problem with Cole's song and his mindset. Of course, Cole tweeted out a link to her song because he respects her, right? But in general, this could have been handled much differently by Cole. There's a right and a wrong way to handle things. He chose the most wrong way. Black women need our support right now. And Cole misread the room and he missed the mark. His response was reckless and inconsiderate. And none of his criticism was constructive. I love J. Cole, but I stand with no name. I hope that he does some self-reflection. I hope that he does some reading. Um, Black men need to do better by black women. And if you're unable to, especially if you have a platform, then you just got to shut the fuck up and step aside. Because we especially don't need leaders that are willing to sacrifice others like this, no matter what good they've done in the past. So... No name all day. And that's all I've got to say about that. Um, So that is it for the Dig Deeper segment for this week. That is it for the podcast. Um, I thank all of you who are tuning in to the live stream. Um, If you're listening to if you're watching the VOD um, on Twitch. um, Thank you. If you're listening to the audio version of this. um, Wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Um. All I ask is that you, you know, follow the podcast. Um, shout out to Dangerous Davey. We got a new follow today. Appreciate that. Um, stay locked to the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook. There's always fun stuff happening there. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. You already know what it is. I'm here to bring you the hip hop and R&B news. Talk about what's important. Um, so, yeah, um, I should be back next week. Next week is June 28th. So... The last Friday of June will have happened before the next episode. So I will likely be talking about my favorite albums of the second quarter, uh, um, April through June, April, May and June. Um, It's likely that there will be some albums that drop that Friday that I might not have the time to really consider, but we'll see. Um, Next week, I should be back talking about my favorite albums of Q2. And then the week after that, I will likely do a mid-year review. I might try to have a guest on. I usually have a guest on to talk. We kind of do like a... So at the end of the year, I have my award show with the different categories. And so at the mid-year review, I kind of try to do like some mini categories um, and then have a guest on to talk about, you know, what songs and albums have been taking over the first part of the year. So that'll be two weeks from now. But next week, I'll just be talking about the second quarter. Um... Thank you all that are listening. Shout out to everyone um, that took the time out. You already know what it is. This is Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad. Peace.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.